Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the pandemic has inspired many to purge all that is unnecessary from their lives. Maybe it's a good time to simplify your wallet as well. We have advice on how to do that. Plus, grading the U.S. Supreme Court's first term with President Trump's full influence. Have his justices lived up to the high expectations of conservatives? And it's time to go outside and play. We have details on August programs and activities from the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rumschlag will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, July 27th, 2021. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is Bagpipe Appreciation Day. (laughs) Bagpipe Appreciation Day. All right. Uh, It is also National Chicken Finger Day, National Creme Brulee Day, National Scotch Day, in honor of the drink, not the tape. I looked it up. Um, Take Your House Plants for a Walk Day. So if you do that, if you are inclined to take your houseplants for a walk, uh, be aware that there is a special day for that. So if your neighbors look at you funny, you can tell them it's take your houseplants for a walk day. And it is walk on stilts day. But I would imagine if you were to combine those, you'd really get some looks. Anyway, reasons to celebrate today. Some of the first things you need to know as we get our Tuesday morning started. There could be quite a show in the night sky this week. A couple of meteor showers set to peak tomorrow night into Thursday morning, culminating in one of the few opportunities to see a meteor shower during the warm summer nights. Did you happen to see, I saw the news last night, a meteor in the sky over Texas, I believe it was. And it was amazing. I mean, this was a huge uh, asteroid, I guess, hurling through the atmosphere at like 36,000 miles an hour and uh, burned up. They saw it in the uh, skies over Texas, and a lot of folks got video of it. And apparently when it vaporized, there was this huge boom, and it was some folks said it rocked their house. It was so so loud i don't think it'll be anything to that level uh on a regular basis during these uh meteor showers but uh the two meteor showers are the southern delta aquarids and the alpha uh, alpha capricornids in a typical year the two would combine for around 15 to 20 meteors per hour but the american meteorological society says the moon will be around 75 percent full so the moonlight will wash out some of the dimmer meteors. But nonetheless, it is one of the few opportunities to see a meteor shower um, during the summer. The best time to watch will be before midnight on Wednesday. Uh, The AMS also says that the meteor shower is notable as it typically produces a number of bright fireballs during its activity period. Experts say if the weather is unfavorable for viewing that night, you may be able to see some shooting stars Uh, through the weekend so uh, that will be wednesday into thursday right before midnight i guess the uh, best time to see that meteor shower if you are so inclined 
Uh, some other uh, interesting items here off of the uh, newswire to get your day started. You know, we're getting close to back to school time, and I think most parents going to be more than happy to send their kids back to class full time five days a week. But not everyone. I talk about the way the pandemic changed everything last year. Some families are opting in to homeschooling their children permanently. The reasons vary. Some parents who spoke to the Associated Press say it's because they have children with special educational needs. Others want a faith-based curriculum that is not available in their area otherwise. And others say that they're They feel their local schools are flawed in some way. But all of the parents who will be keeping their kids at home and have decided to homeschool full-time have one thing in common. They tried homeschooling on what they thought was a temporary basis last year and found it beneficial to their children, and so now they've decided to make that permanent. And uh, as for how common this is, the U.S. Census Bureau said in March of 2021 that by September of last year, the rate of households homeschooling their children rose to 11%, up from 5.4%, who said the same just six months earlier. So that is that is a pretty significant, well, it's double, double the number, uh, almost exactly double. So kind of interesting. And... Uh, Speaking of the virus, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Researchers from the University of Minnesota say that it seems your cat may have had a rougher time during the pandemic than your dog. Now, that's not because, I mean, there have been reports about how uh, dogs are, are really happy to have people home as they were working from home, working remotely during the pandemic, and it was just heaven for the dogs because uh, they weren't left at home all day, whereas cats uh, more indifferent to that. This has nothing to do with that. Researchers at the University of Minnesota tested cats and dogs and found that 8% of cats had antibodies for COVID-19, compared to less than 1% of dogs, which suggests that cats may be more susceptible to the virus. That was one of the big questions you recall during the pandemic. Is this a communicable disease to our house pets? Is it cross-species transmissible? The co-author of the study says the results will help clarify the prevalence of cross-species transmission of this coronavirus among pets and their owners. I don't know that there have been any verified cases of a pet being an intermediary to spreading the virus, but it is kind of interesting and does suggest that there is at least some sort of connection between particularly cats and the coronavirus. So who knows if it mutates again, as these things generally do, it may be something that we have to be concerned about in the future. And I don't know that there is a uh, canine or feline vaccine uh, for the uh, coronavirus. There have also been uh, reports that maybe farm animals uh, were susceptible to this as well. But a uh, lot more research has to be done on that, but I thought it was interesting nonetheless. And one other uh, story here among the first things you need to know this morning. Something to keep in mind, speaking of your pets, if you're taking your dog for a walk 
<laughs> this this morning, uh, you might want to uh, keep an eye out and and uh, and look up every now and then. Police in Japan believe that uh, dogs relieving themselves were likely the cause behind the collapse of a traffic light pole. <laughs> Apparently, this thing snapped from its base after 23 years of use, despite its expected 50-year lifespan. And they're trying to figure out why did this light pole fail and collapse so early uh, when it was supposed to last 50 years or more. Forensic scientists at the local police department found about 40 times the concentration of dog urine at the bottom of the post compared with other traffic light poles that had been installed around the same time period. And that led them to conclude that it is highly possible that uh, the, the dog pee and the uh, saline content of dog urine had eroded the steel pole and caused it to come down. No one was injured in the incident. No problems with the quality and installation of the light pole were found. The uh, pole has been replaced with a new one, but police have already spotted dogs peeing on the newly installed pole, and so they are naturally concerned. It says here they are taking measures to prevent a recurrence of uh, what happened with the replaced pole, such as making sure that fluid cannot accumulate at the bottom of the post. So <laughs> I didn't even know that that was a thing that we had to be concerned with. So the next time you're walking your dog, you might want to just stand as far clear from the pole that your dog is peeing on <laughs> just in case it might come down. I guess it makes sense. I mean, when you explain the science behind it, I guess I can, I can see that happening, but at the same time, it's a little disconcerting, isn't it? And I thought it was interesting that they said there was 40 times the concentration at the base of this light pole as compared to others. So <laughs> apparently the dogs just like this particular pole and it caused a problem. Something to keep in mind the next time you are walking your dog. <laughs> Heads up. <laughs> there you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started here. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, plenty of sunshine today with a high around 90, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 67. A high-speed chase went from Interstate 75 to the streets of Findlay before finally ending when the suspects bailed out and were apprehended. The chase on Monday afternoon went from 75 to State Route 12, which is West Main Cross and into downtown. After going down some neighborhood streets, the chase got onto South Main Street where the suspect's vehicle clipped a car near Blanchard Valley Hospital. The suspect's car got a flat tire and stopped, and two people fled on foot but were soon taken into custody. Get more on the chase and see some video from the scene on our website. Flag City Night Out is returning this year after being canceled last year due to the pandemic. Officer Brian White says kids will enjoy seeing the large assortment of emergency vehicles like fire trucks, ambulances, and police cruisers. Anytime that we as officers get a chance to interact with children at a younger age, it just helps build those bonds and uh, lets them know that we're someone that they can turn to whenever they need help. Getting out there and getting among the crowd and the kids, that's one of the best things that we can do and we enjoy hanging out with everyone. 
He says the event will include free food and refreshments, live demonstrations, and entertainment. Flag City Night Out is coming up next Tuesday night from 6 to 9 at Riverside Park. Get more on our website. The Ohio Department of Health has announced that they will strongly recommend but not mandate the wearing of masks in the classroom for anyone who hasn't gotten the COVID vaccine. And Governor DeWine said he will not issue a mask mandate for schools, leaving the decision up to individual school districts and parents. Findlay City Schools has said that the wearing of masks will be optional for the upcoming school year. However, students and staff who have not been vaccinated are highly encouraged to wear a mask. The Ohio Department of Natural Resources Division of Wildlife has launched a new incentive program that provides a path for Ohio hunters to access participating landowner properties during the hunting season. Enrollment for the Ohio Landowner and Hunter Access Partnership Program is underway now. The Division of Wildlife says the new program helps connect landowners and hunters through incentives and opens up many more acres of land to Ohio's hunting enthusiasts. Get more on the new program on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So now to our cover story this morning. Over the course of the past year, the pandemic has been the impetus that many of us have long needed to go through and purge the stuff that we no longer need in our lives. Everything from cleaning out our closets to cleaning up our social media friends lists so that we can kind of keep in focus those things that are truly important and bring real value. So in that spirit, why not take advantage of the opportunity to apply that same mindset to our financial life as well? Joining us this morning to talk about simplifying your wallet is Marsha Barnes, certified financial social worker, financial educator, and personal finance commentator. And uh, Jen Roban, uh, founder and CEO of Life in General, uh, which is a full-service organizational design company. And uh, Marsha, I'll actually throw this out for both of you, but particularly Marsha, how do people know that they need a wallet makeover? Well, one way that you know, Chris, that you need a wallet makeover is if your wallet is bursting at the seams. That's number one. <laughs> but then number two, let's say that you're out shopping and you get to the register and you find it a bit cloudy to determine what card you need to use. So that could be a gift card that hasn't been utilized, a membership card that you're gaining benefits from, or it could be a credit card. So maybe you have several things in your wallet but you can't really determine what brings you the most value or gives you the most benefit. Mm. So those are two quick ways to determine if you need a wallet edit. Yeah, I think we've all probably been there at one time or another. So uh, talk about uh, why that wallet edit then, as you refer to it, is important, especially uh, right now. As we mentioned, we're, we're going through this pandemic purge with everything else. Makes it a good time. Well, I think one thing that many of us learned during the pandemic, Chris, is the importance of being financially aware and the importance of being conscious consumers. So that, that's a key reason why all of us should be focused on a wallet edit, because number one, we want if we're spending money, we also want to be keeping money in our pocket. So doing a wallet edit simply helps you to simplify your finances across the board, taking account what you haven't used in the past and what is giving you great benefits. Okay, so let's talk about some of the best ways we establish the need, we establish uh, why it's important. Talk about the best ways for consumers to declutter, uh, especially with respect to their wallets. Like any type of organization, and you have to start by scheduling it in, literally putting it in your calendar 
And with a wallet edit, you know, you'll pull everything out of your wallet, you'll sort by the categories, you'll discard items that you're no longer needing or using, you'll add everything back in, but the biggest part is maintenance. So making sure, not only are you scheduling the time to do it as a one-time thing, but you are continually scheduling. So whether that's once a week, once a month, just making sure you're prioritizing that because with that, you really will streamline your financial life um, and your, your life. I would imagine, too, that is one uh, piece of advice kind of underscores the importance of knowing where your money is going. It's hard to determine what is actually bringing you value if you have no idea what's uh, going out and where each month. For sure, Chris. And, and that's you know a great point that Jen brought in is being very intentional about scheduling the time to do this. Oftentimes we think about decluttering you know, with our closets or just our home, but we should be taking that same urgency when it comes to our finances. You know, to your point, as you just mentioned, many of us just don't create the time for it. Uh, but that's a great thing about Wells Fargo bringing me and Jen in to host wallet edit workshops. We're kicking the very first one off on this Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on my Instagram channel at the Finance Bar. And then Jen will be hosting one in a couple of weeks on August 5th. And these workshops are free, Chris. Jen, would you like to share your information? Yes. And that workshop on August 5th is going to be at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on my social channel at Life in General. There you go. Because I was going to ask, you know, what are the, we talk about laying everything out, uh, emptying out the wallet, laying it all out there, and then going through just like you would with the stuff in your closet, deciding uh, what you need to keep, what you can get rid of. What are some of the, the key items that you know, people really should should look at because I mean, for me, my uh, weakness is I look at it all there and I think, you know, I, I want to keep it all. I don't I don't know what to get rid of uh, because I'm thinking there's a reason why I had it in my wallet to begin with. Yeah, Chris, one you know, one thing to keep in mind and and that was really eye opening by a survey recently conducted by Wells Fargo at your cash card is that credit card holders care about two things, right? Cash back and rewards. So for anyone that may have a little bit of hesitation or confusion around what to keep and what to get rid of, consider what is giving you the most benefit, Chris. Are you using your cards throughout the week? Are you at least using them once a month? And then decide from there if they should stay in your wallet or should it be something that you table and just put to the side for a moment. Again, wallet edits should take place throughout the year. Maybe it's quarterly. What you may be spending this summer may not be how you're spending in the fall, so it will vary. The great thing is that, again, as Jen mentioned, keeping tabs on when to schedule this in. You know, that's a, a good point. Just because you take it out of the wallet doesn't mean you have to pitch it all together. Maybe you just stick it in a drawer somewhere uh, for a couple, three months, and if you don't miss it, then you can pitch it. Or if you, you know, like you said, things change from one season to the next, uh, maybe you want to swap something out for you know, something mm -hmm. else. So uh, some good advice there. Um, Jen, I want to ask you just uh, kind of in general, um, with, the, with the wallets, we said this is just one... Uh, of many areas where we are decluttering uh, and cleaning up our lives, uh, kind of pandemic-inspired purge. What are some of the, the top trends that you see of uh, people, you know, the way they're doing that? The top trends, no doubt, is just people are simplifying their lives. You know, coming out of the pandemic and 
and really understanding priorities have shifted and you know, people look at their home life differently and now they're also looking at their financials. And so really going back to the basics of simplifying and understanding what they're using and what they're not using to then streamline their life. And again, applying that to our financial situation as well. Marsha Barnes, certified financial social worker, financial educator, personal finance commentator. Jen Roban, uh, founder and CEO of Life in General. Real quickly, let's mention again uh, the uh, websites where folks can uh, sign up for those uh, workshops that you mentioned. The workshop this Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on my Instagram channel is at the finance bar. And on August 5th, we'll be on my social channel at Life in General. Okay, we'll make sure that we link those up so folks can check that out. Ladies, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. So the uh, U.S. Supreme Court recently concluded their uh, latest term, and it was... uh, a number of uh, interesting cases, interesting decisions that were uh, handed down. And this was the uh, first term uh, with uh, President Trump's full influence uh, on the court. All of his uh, Supreme Court nominees uh, were seated uh, for the entire session. So kind of grading that uh, first term with uh, the former president's full influence. Have his justices lived up to the high expectations that many conservatives had placed on them? We are joined this morning by Ohio Northern University professor and associated uh, scholar of the Brown University Political Theory Project, Dr. Scott Gerber, once again, and uh, Scott. So, with this uh, this session in the books now, uh, how do you look back and and, and grade uh, the newest justices and their influence on the court? What will what is what is the storyline when this uh, book is written? I would give uh, Justice Gorsuch a, a high grade. And I would give uh, Justices Kavanaugh and uh, Barrett a low grade. Hmm. Uh, and the reason and the reason for that is um, that uh, Kavanaugh and Barrett are being too timid, um, whereas Gorsuch is what is labeled in judicial decision making theory a maximalist, i.e., he wants uh, broad decisions with clear guidance. So the lower courts and the American people uh, know what we're supposed to do. Yeah, it's been interesting in reading some of the uh, reviews, if you will, uh, on uh, this this court and particularly those new justices. There has been some criticism more uh, among it's it's been it's been wider it's more than just again as we kind of lead into this we talk about have these justices lived up to the expectations of conservatives and it's not just been it's not just been conservatives uh that have uh had been the subject of, of some criticism i mean they're getting uh criticized beyond just the politics of it by just legal scholars in general Correct. I, I, you posted on your uh, your website an op-ed I was asked to contribute to a point-counterpoint mm-hmm. about whether the uh, Trump uh, appointees to the Supreme Court have been a disappointment. And I argued that they have been, as I mentioned a minute ago, and someone else argued that they haven't been. And, um, and for the reasons I've already said, 
there, there's two kinds of approaches to judging judicial maximalism, which as I've said before is broad and clear and judicial minimalism is, which is very narrow and one case at a time and muddy mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, Barrett and Kavanaugh are choosing that route for the most part. And, uh, uh, Gorsuch is more like justice Thomas and justice Alito on the right and justice Sotomayor on the left. Yeah. Because um, again, that maximal, uh, uh, the maximum, uh, type of, uh, uh, theory or, or approach, uh, can be on, on either side. Um, what are some of the, uh, decisions, uh, some examples of the types of, of, uh, the, the types of approaches that you're talking about here, what specifically, uh, are, are the cases that, that most catch your, uh, attention with respect to that? The, the, the major one was the case out of the city of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. where the city of Philadelphia required the Catholic social services to sign off on, um, uh, potential adoptions for same sex marriages and, um, Catholics oppose that. And the Supreme Court ruled nine to zero for the Catholic Social Service Group. And um, the, the judicial maximalists on the court, Alito, Gorsuch, and Thomas on the right, wanted to overrule this famous case decided in 1990 and written ironically by Justice Scalia uh, that holds that you can um, uh, burden a religion as long as the law is generally applicable and would burden groups that aren't um, opposing the practice on non-religious grounds. And, um, but what the conservatives want now is they want exemptions for religious belief based on the free exercise clause. And to get that decision, you have to overrule that Oregon versus Smith case. Uh, Barrett and Kavanaugh weren't ready to do that yet, even though Barrett said in her separate opinion that the case was wrong. Mm-hmm. And if the case is wrong, the argument is yeah. join with Thomas Gorsuch and um, Alito to overrule it. So how much of this is, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, first session jitters? I mean, you know, these are still the the new kids on the block, as it were. Uh, is there some sort of mindset that we don't want to come in and and be too bold too quickly and, I guess, upset the apple cart uh, in in a way of speaking? Yeah, that's an excellent point. There's a separate line of uh, judicial decision-making research that focuses what's called the the acclimation effect. Mm-hmm. And the theory there is it takes a Supreme Court justice approximately five terms to really find his or her voice. Mm. And so if that theory holds, then your, your counterpoint is correct. Um, but on the other side of that, Kavanaugh was an appeals court judge for a long time. Um, and so there's no excuse really for him to be so timid. Yeah, that is a, a fair point. So one of the things that we've talked about, uh, in the past, uh, is the fact that you don't always get what you think you're getting when you seat a Supreme court justice. Uh, there may be all indications that, uh, justice may, uh, prob- is likely to, uh, apply certain, I guess, uh, political leanings in their decisions, but it doesn't always work out that way. And there are examples throughout history uh, of that. So at the end of the day, 
have conservatives gotten what they wanted uh, out of these uh, justices? Because, again, going in, there was an awful lot of talk about how President Trump put a significant stamp on the Supreme Court for the next generation. Has it worked out that way or is there still not enough of a large enough body of evidence to know? Well, it hasn't worked out that way yet, but it's still early. So we'll, so we'll see. And, you know, Justice Kavanaugh was never on the original list uh, produced by the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation for President Trump when he ran in 2016. But the feeling was that the people on the list were too far right to be confirmed. And so they threw him in uh, uh, later. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Barrett, of course, rose to prominence during the Senate confirmation hearings for her court of appeals seat when uh, Senator Feinstein criticized Barrett for being a Catholic, which is, of course, an outrageous criticism for a senator to make. And she then shot to the front, especially when the seat being filled was Ginsburg and Ginsburg was a a, a woman. And so um, uh, it, the feeling was that Justice Barrett was a very socially conservative Republican. And this term, she has not shown herself to be that. There will certainly be opportunities, though, in the next session uh, for that to still flesh itself out. I mean, there are uh, some very interesting cases that the uh, court is uh, likely to hear moving forward that will maybe give them the opportunity to redeem themselves in the eyes of conservatives. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just mention uh, two of them. Uh, Abortion's coming back. There's a Mississippi law that says that you can't have abortion after 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, Justice uh, Barrett is at least personally strongly opposed to abortion. She's a Catholic and Catholics are opposed to abortion. So we'll see where she goes on that one. The other one is that the affirmative action in higher education admissions is likely to be taken by the court yet again. Uh, from the Harvard case. Mm-hmm. Um, and even on that one, even though Roberts is moderated to the middle, he's very strongly opposed to, to preferences like that. And so we'll see where uh, Kavanaugh and um, and Barrett and, and Gorsuch fall on that. Yeah, they will definitely be in the spotlight in some of those cases that are coming up in the next term. Grading the Supreme Court's first uh, session with President Trump's full influence, uh, Ohio Northern University professor, associated scholar, the Brown University Political Theory Project, Dr. Scott Gerber with us this morning. Scott, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. You're welcome, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. You had the uh, story in the uh, news about the uh, high-speed police chase that ended in Findlay. Uh, got off what? Got off the interstate and some of the uh, city streets uh, before uh, ending down close to the hospital, I guess. Some uh, pretty scary moments there for a moment because uh, for a while, because I guess they were flying in the city streets. But uh, in any event, have a uh, police chase in the broken news this morning. And this is not your usual type of high speed police chase that the cops are used to. The Colorado State Highway Patrol says a horse in a makeshift corral at the Eagle County Fairgrounds, which was hosting its annual fair and rodeo, knocked down a board 
uh, of the fence helping to contain the animals and escaped. Four horses in all fled. The animals took to Interstate 70 eastbound, <laughs> went running through the highway where the local fire protection district's chief spotted them and followed them for three miles while the state police and the Eagle Police Department stopped traffic and joined in the chase. Police say the horses ran about 13 miles in a chase lasting about a half hour before the animals were able to be safely corralled and loaded back into a a trailer and returned to their enclosure. There were no injuries. (laughs) That is definitely uh, one of the more unusual police chases you will ever see. Thank goodness no one was hurt and the horses are fine too. Elsewhere in today's uh, broken news, a United Airlines flight was evacuated ahead of takeoff at San Francisco International Airport this past Thursday after a teenager sent a photo of an airsoft gun to other passengers on board the plane via airdrop, which is an iPhone feature that allows sharing between Apple products that are in close Apple devices that are in close proximity to each other. The flight, bound from San Francisco to Orlando, was getting ready to leave the gate when the incident occurred. Everyone on board forced to deplane and go through security a second time. The teenager, uh, who was determined not to have a gun on his person, was nonetheless not allowed back on the flight. It was determined the photo was taken at an earlier time at a different location. Um, poli- in, uh, airport... Uh, Spokesperson said the evacuation was out out of an abundance of caution. Law enforcement officials are working with the airline to review the issue. And this teenager learned the hard way that they do not have a sense of humor when it comes to firearms in planes. That is, there is a, there is no sense of humor whatsoever. Uh, They don't take too kindly to that kind of thing, man. Some people just not too bright. Speaking of people who are not too bright, a Florida man faces charges after accidentally shooting himself while showing off his gun. (laughs) The the Pensacola News Journal reports that Carlos Tufia uh, was shot at O'Reilly's Uptown Tavern in Pensacola when he pulled out a gun and began showing it to another couple at the bar. Now, we have had stories like this in the broken news in the past, but it's been a while since anyone has shot themselves trying to show off their gun. Uh, Surveillance video shows Mr. Tufia uh, making a holster gesture before shooting himself in the shoulder. (laughs) He left the bar and was treated at a local hospital and then was promptly arrested, charged with carrying a concealed weapon without a permit and improper exhibition of a weapon. (laughs) Kind of an open and shut case uh, on that charge. So this is a crazy story. Now, again, and we mentioned in the past, we have a general rule in the broken news that if people die, it's generally not funny. And so we don't use stories where people die in the broken news, generally speaking. But there are some exceptions to that rule. Here's a story out of North Texas. It says, two people are dead after a fight broke out at a party. Police say one person was shot and killed, and then the gunman was allegedly stoned to death. 
It happened early Monday morning in Fort Worth. Police say after the shooting, an angry mob surrounded the gunman and pummeled him with rocks. Apparently, the two victims knew each other. There was a fight broke out. One shot the other guy, and then he was stoned to death. <laughs> wow. That's some Texas biblical justice right there, isn't it? <laughs> he was stoned to death. Man. Don't mess with Texas. That was the crazy part of that story. And finally, in the uh, broken news, this is... We started with an animal story. We'll finish with an animal story. A tractor trailer driven by two chocolate labs collided in a home with a home in Baintree, Massachusetts on Saturday. Glenn Fillmore said he was sitting down to dinner when he heard a heck of a noise, came running outside his home to find a truck had slammed into the side of his neighbor's house. He said these people just moved into this brand new house. And the truck caused significant damage, including a shattered window and crushed siding. Neighbors rushed to check on the driver of the truck who had not exited the vehicle. When they opened up the door, they saw two giant dogs in the front seat. (laughs) It says, we open up the cab and there are two chocolate labs just looking back at us. We shut the door and jumped down. Uh, You can only surmise that the two dogs were in the front. Maybe something got released. And they went for a ride. That's probably the best explanation you can come up with. Police trying to track down who owned the truck and its driver and are asking residents of the street with doorbell and security cameras to turn over their footage. That's the crazy part. Not only was the truck apparently being driven by a pair of dogs, but they have no idea who the truck belonged to. Well, I guess the the dogs can't tell you, but did the dogs not have collars? They not have tags or, or anything? Apparently not. Uh, The house that got smashed did have a doorbell camera, and the owners apparently tried speaking through the mechanism after the incident. Uh, They were on there, and they were telling police, you better get home, Uh, or uh, the neighbors were telling the the, uh, owners of the home because the whole incident triggered the, uh, the video doorbell. And presumably the owners of the home got an alert. The neighbors were saying, hey, you better get home because someone just wiped out the side of your house. The crash remains under investigation. That is a crazy story. Two dogs driving driving the vehicle and they have no idea who the truck belongs to. There you go. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news. The statistics that shape our lives. You know, a lot of people whose job allowed them to work from home during the pandemic discovered they kind of liked it, and there's been a lot of talk about it becoming a permanent shift in how we work for people with those kinds of jobs to work at least part of the time from home, at least some days from home, and more flexible scheduling arrangements. But a new report out 
yesterday. Uh, what's that old saying? Be careful what you ask for. This report suggests that working from home may not be all it's cracked up to be when it comes to your long-term career prospects. The Society for Human Resource Management found that nearly 60% of workers said that permanently working from home would reduce their networking opportunities. 55% said it causes work relationships to suffer. And more than two-thirds of managers, make note of this, 67% of managers said they consider remote workers more easily replaceable than those who come into the office. Along those lines, 42% of supervisors said they sometimes forget about their remote workers uh, when they're assigning tasks and, and things like that. At the same time, a separate survey from researchers at the University of Chicago's Becker Friedman Institute for Economics found that 40% of workers said that they would start looking for another job if their employer required them to go back to the office full time. But again, be careful what you ask for. Because there is that possibility, that likelihood even, that you might be considered more easily replaceable if you're working at home versus coming into the office. <laughs> well, I mentioned the other day uh, that we are uh, actually doing the show uh, from the home studio and have been for the past couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully... Uh, this will be the last week uh, that we'll be uh, in the bunker, and we'll be back into the uh, studios. But something very weird has happened. Uh, I am at uh, my home studio, and uh, Michelle Roomslog is at the Lake Cascade studio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because Michelle well, in, the, is, in the parking lot. <laughs> she's actually in the parking lot. She's actually uh, uh, speaking with uh, everybody uh, at Lake Cascades uh, on our sister stations, WKXA and the Fox. And their their studios are fine. It's just uh, ours that is uh, completely torn apart. So that's why we are in the bunker and we are here and she is there. Michelle Roomslag of the uh, Hancock Park District is uh, with us to talk about what's going on in the month of August in the way of uh activities and programs and such hard to believe that we're into the dog days of summer already but a great time to get outside and play as they say right especially if you like the heat which it looks like for the next couple of days um yeah if you like this 90 degree weather yeah um it's definitely a good time to to be out on the trails or do some different activities and mm -hmm. yeah um you know we've got a lot going on in august sometimes it seems like we with kids getting back to school we kind of maybe don't do as many things, but I've got two sheets here with programs back to back. So I'm like, <laughs> and of course I can't talk about everything, but you know, you can go HancockParks.com, go to the calendar, everything's listed on there, but we still have a lot of things, you know, happening throughout, you know, all the way through the end of August. So, yeah. you know, take advantage of that. If you want to, I think August hits and everybody's like, oh my gosh, I haven't done anything all summer. I need to get the <laughs> This is the park. time. Yeah. <laughs> this is the time to do that. What are uh, some of the highlights of uh, right. stuff that you've got going on this coming month? Well, I want to talk about camps. Um, so we have one last opportunity for kids to do um, a camp, and that's going to be in two weeks. Um, so our Adventure Day Camp Week starts Monday, August 8th, and then goes through that Friday. So those are one-day camps, 9 to 3 at some of our various parks. It's $15 a kid, and then we accept kids ages 6 to 12. So it's a larger age range, so you can send, you know, multiple siblings and, and yeah. maybe all of your kids to camp. Um, but we already have two that are filled. So Monday and Friday are gone. They've been filled for a few weeks. 
So really, it's Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, Tuesdays is amazing arthropods. So if you want to learn all about insects and different things, that's Tuesday to the 10th. Wednesday 11th is Fear Factor. Um, you won't eat anything weird. So <laughs> no worries there, but just about some of those, you know, maybe animals people are afraid of. Spiders, okay. snakes, bats, okay. that type of thing. So that'll be on Wednesday. Um, and then Thursday is called Jumpers and Hoppers. So frogs, insects, rabbits. Um, but I'll have to tell you with that one, we only have two spots left. So the other ones have a few more, but um, we normally fill these camps. But just kind of like I thought earlier this summer, we are definitely getting them filled earlier than normal. So if this is something, you know, again, it's our last camp of the summer, something you want to send your kids to, um, you can get online. You can go to our office on East Main Cross. I wouldn't wait because it's definitely, um, we're going to fill them. It's just when that's going to happen. Yeah, how quickly. So we so don't want you to miss out on that. Get, get on that sooner rather than later. What else has happened in the right. month of August? Well, for for those adults, um, actually coming up next Monday on August 2nd, it's our, our natural sled evening kayak float. So that'll take place with me out at Zonta Landing there um, at Riverside at 630 to 830. Again, for adults, $15. Um, we have a small group of a maximum of eight that we'll take on the river. And it's just like the name implies. We're going to get on the water. We'll go upstream. You know, talk about things, you know, the different trees. We did this last month and saw a bunch of great herons out there. Mm. So this one's going to be in the evening. Again, 630. We just need you to sign up by that Monday. So as long as the weather is good, you know, again, well, you just need to be 18 and up. And that's uh, in, in the evening. For. Yeah, in the evening, as you said. So uh, past the you know heat of the day, uh, even if it's uh, really right. hot and sticky, uh, this would be a great way to, to end the day uh, on the river. And you said that uh, launches from uh, Zonta Landing at Riverside? Right, right at the boathouse okay. there, yeah. And then on the flip side, if you like to go out in the morning, I do have a morning one, but that's later in the month on the 26th. Okay. And like you said, beating the heat of the day, we go out at 7 a.m. So mm. I plan those kind of accordingly. Um, so again, if it's a day like today, I mean, we would almost be back at this point. So, yeah. you know, trying to get out again, beat be that heat. And so we have those for adults um, coming up this next month. Okay. Anything else to uh, highlight? Well, just a reminder that our, the Zotto Landing boat rentals are open um, this weekend through Labor Day weekend. So we are still open on that Labor Day. It's one until seven. Last rentals at 630. Five dollars for a half an hour, uh, cash or check. Just as a reminder, we we don't have the capabilities to do credit cards. Um, so come on out if you want to get on the river um, during the weekend, or if you want to rent during the week. As long as we have staff that we can get you on the water, um, it just you know be nice to have a day or two notice. You want to go out during the week? Okay. Give us a call at the office. And we can hopefully get that set up for you. So uh, lots of things uh, still uh, going on uh, to uh, take advantage of the uh, waning weeks of summer. And once again, cycling back to what we were talking about with the camps uh, that are still open, just a handful of spots remaining. And folks who want to go either online or drop into the office to get their kids signed up for that. Yes. All right, uh, all uh, all coming up in the uh, month of August, and like you mentioned, uh, more information on these programs and other activities and such uh, at the uh, Park District website, uh, correct? Yeah, HancockParks.com. And we will link that up on our webpage as well. Again, Michelle Roomschlag of the Hancock Park District with us this morning. Michelle, thanks very much. 
Thanks for having me. And that'll wrap up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Our little corner of the World Wide Web can be found at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, the Children's Mentoring Connection is in need of male volunteers in particular. You can learn more about making a difference in a kid's life at this week's Mentoring Open House. Stacy Shaw will share all the details. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.